Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Three, two, one. Welcome back and happy Halloween, Murder Chronicles Nation. All right, Carolyn. I know you're going to... Name one thing. Name something important that Edgar Allan Poe and I have in common. What would you think of it? There is something that the late, great Edgar Allan Poe and yours truly have in common. What do you think it is? Is this like physical attributes or is this... I don't know um, any of his physical attributes, so I don't know. Well, look him up. <laughs> if you give up, just say you give up and I'll tell you. No, I've got to think. I've got to think. Um, I'll give you a hint. What? Oh my he, gosh, way to drag it out. I'll give you a hint. You're like gold point soda. He basically um, reveals this in his writings. The that thing that we he, share. Um, I feel like anything I say is going to like be sarcastic. So why don't you just tell me? We what? both have crippling cases of claustrophobia. I didn't know that about him. Look at his writing. Look at, look at the Telltale what? Heart, buried alive underneath the floorboard. Look at Cask of Amontillado, buried alive behind the brick wall. Uh, it, he is. He even wanted to be buried in a casket that had a string and bell system. So if he woke up alive in a casket, he could, he could. Oh my God. That's like literally like Serpent of the Rainbow. Serpent of the Rainbow. I remember that movie. have that? I do too. It like ruined me. Yeah. Like that idea of, you know, I am alive. Like, what is that when you're locked in? Like, isn't that the worst? Yeah, there were a couple of movies that that really freaked me out. There was a movie uh, called The Vanishing. Yes. Oh my gosh. When she had to know. Yeah. With he, he had, had to, know. to know. He had to know. Kiefer Sutherland. He had to know, but it was Kiefer Sutherland, right? And uh, Kiefer Sutherland and. I love that movie, but I hate that movie. Yeah, it's and so... the dude Jeff Bridges was the bad guy oh, in it. Jeff, I I okay. Here's something you've got to know. Yeah. I fucking love Jeff Bridges. Oh, so okay. do I. I, I mean, remember I... watching. I, I shouldn't have watched Against All Odds when I was a kid, and I was like, that guy's a pimp. He was awesome. Remember that with James Woods? You know, I like him in other things, but um, I just love him. I, I just All right, love favorite him. Jeff Bridges movie. I have mine. You go first. Go. Uh, the Big Lebowski. Okay. I'm, I have a dark horse candidate, and I love The Big Lebowski. Okay. I Not love as The much Big as Lebowski. Me. It's Not eminently as as quotable. Me. It's Not terrific. As as but I think, mm-hmm. I think my favorite... I think my favorite Jeff Bridges movie is The Contender, where he plays the president of the United States and he wants to he wants the female vice president of the United States. It's a wonderful thriller that you don't see the end coming. Uh, have Sam, you seen him? Yeah. Have you seen him in The Old Man? Yeah, amazing. Oh my god, it's just like <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Just you, yeah. it's so it's like you believe it. Yep. You know who? Anyway, I I. I just well, along it. those lines uh, of him being mm-hmm. a badass lawman or what what have you, um, the Taylor Sheridan script, the movie with uh, Chris Pine, Hell or High Water, where he plays the the sheriff, or the bank robbery movie, so good. 
understated. He's so good at the understated, like kind of. He's just so cool good guy. at everything. Yeah. Just when you think that he can't do that, then he he does it. Then he does it, especially and with Big like, Lebowski. That that shot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, that was just like I want that but re, sweater. But re yeah, but rewatch uh, the Contender. And, uh, okay, but the vanishing was oof, like oof. I always. And that's kind of a point when it's like, do I really want to know? Yeah, no. <laughs> and, another great depiction of that in in Kill Bill when uh, mm-hmm. when the bride is buried alive and she oh karate's she karate's her way out. That was pretty oh great, gosh. right? So where did this? I've got to psychoanalyze you. Yeah. Oh, I know, you know exactly where it happened. Where exactly where it happened? So growing up, my dad was a pilot. Okay. Um, for United Airlines, lived out of a suitcase. And I was six, maybe seven years old. And uh, my older brother would have been 10 or 11. Okay. And open suitcase. You guys are three years apart? Three and a half. Yeah. Open, open suitcase. And my brother says, hey, Brandon, I bet you can't fit in there. Right? Oh my god! But I'm a little. Yeah. Listen, I've already been a little brother for six and a half years. I know. Right. His Excuse tricks. me, I was a little sister. I, I I know. I know his tricks. I went. Oh yeah, right. Sure thing, Blue. His name's Blue. I'm like, I get in there, and then you lock me in. And you know what? You know what this son of a bitch did? You know what he did, Carolyn? He locked you in. He looks at me, like mm-hmm. Oscar-worthy performance, Brandon. Mm-hmm. You're my brother. I can't believe you think that I would do that to you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. He goes, he goes, I don't even want to play. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's play. I'll get in. He goes, no, I don't even want to anymore. You've, you've ruined the fun by accusing me of something so terrible. I'm like, no, look, I can get in. I can fit. Click, locks it, goes into his room, puts his Walkman on, turns up music. My mom's on the phone in the other room. Two hours, I'm in the suitcase. Oh, Two hours. I'm in there thinking that I'm going to die. Putting my mouth up to the thing and to get to take little breaths. Oh my God. Yeah. I've got one. I That is horrible. Terrible. That, Terrible. That, Terrible. That, and I'm sure you never live it down. And he probably is so mortified. No, when no. He points, he points and laughs. Ha ha. Got you. He's a big brother. Oh my God. To the bone. No, I, but, no listen. I, I was mauled by a dog because of my big sister. Like I... I, I know it. that. Yeah, like, I we it. had this little dog Susie Q, and we had this this ferocious dog next door that had a leash at least a mile long. Mm-hmm. It was one of those with like the spike around the neck. Like this thing was like half German Shepherd, half Doberman Pinscher. Yeah. And our Susie Q runs over, and my sister's like, "Go get Susie Q," and I was like, "Uh," and she's like, "Go get Susie Q," and I was like, "Okay." So. <laughs> I walk across the street and I go get Susan Q and all of a sudden this dog is like on me and I turn around and I'm like running and I almost make it. I'm at the end of the leash and then the thing just climbs on me, rolls me over, bites me on my face, bites me on my stomach, bites me on my back. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the dog? I, they put it down. Oh, I mean, wow. it was a, it was a vicious dog. And my, like, I just stitches remember and stitches. Oh, everywhere? Yeah. oh my gosh. Stitches everywhere. And, and I just remember like my dad was a police officer yeah. at the time. And so he never put the lights on the like, never, like we could never be like, Oh, it's fun. Right. And it was so bad. 
my dad was driving me back from the hospital and and i was like he's like hey you want me to put the lights on <laughs> like yes <laughs> yeah dad i really do dad <laughs> I know. I, and that's when i knew how bad it was wow you know wow yeah it was bad it was bad you had, did you yeah. develop a fear of of dogs um, I do, but I, I hmm. try not to like, I try just big dogs. Yeah. Um, but I, I try not to pass that on to my kids sure. because, yeah. you know, yeah, same. It's like, but it's what, you have to think about those things. Like, my wife said the same thing to me. Like you can't pass it on to your kid. Like, so when she got pregnant and our, uh, our doctor was, you know, at the Cedar Sinai tower in, in, in Hollywood. And it was like, you know, the 20th floor and normally like if it was 30 floors or fewer, I would take the stairs and just like run the stairs. Okay. To not get in an elevator. Because oh my gosh, I can totally get... for you. No, listen. For... Yeah, I'm just going to run the stairs. That was me. hundred percent. That was me. Okay. I, I know. I'd get to I the know. top. I'm all out of breath. I'm like, no, I'm good. I do it. I'm doing it to stay in shape. Not because I'm a weirdo and I hate elevators, but elevators were, were a real problem. And yeah. Because the only way I would get in one, I had to be completely by myself because I didn't trust anybody to like a kid to fucking hit the button and then I'm a mess, right? So I had to go in by myself, right? And so so one night, there's a very popular restaurant in LA called the Soho House. They're everywhere now, but back then this was like one of the only ones. And it's at the very, very top of this building at the end of the Sunset Strip, okay? And they're super fucking fancy. They have like a dedicated elevator that goes up from the garage or whatever. And it's all bullshit, whatever. But it's a really small elevator, okay? It's like a phone booth. It's probably bigger, but that's how it feels to me. And so I would never go to Soho House because of that elevator. But it was my friend's birthday and he's like, you gotta go. I went, yeah, of course, I'll be there. Thinking that I'll take the stairs. No stairs available. You got to take the elevator. Okay. So, so everybody goes up like what? And I'm waiting for it to be alone just for me. Right. And I tell the guy, I'm like, I got to go in by myself because I'm an idiot. My wife, everybody else goes up first. Finally, I'm alone in this little lobby and it's like a Friday night in Hollywood. Okay. And it's a kicking restaurant. I'm like, the guy's like, all right, now's your chance. I'm like, awesome. I get in the elevator by myself. I'm doing my breathing. Right. I'm barely keeping it together. The door's closing and then a hand comes in and the door opens up. And I'm like, oh, Christ. And I look up and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. So what am I going to say? No, I'm you sorry. You had to man up. You had you know to I, man And I'm like, oh, no, sorry. You can't come in here. I need to do this by mm-hmm. myself. I can't do it to the Terminator. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and, you know, and here's what, what the worst thing about it is when people they, they just think that elevators, you can just fuck around with them. Right. And like stop the door from closing and like force the door open. That could mess it up. Okay. That could mess it up. And what does Schwarzenegger do? The fucking governor. He keeps it ding, 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 keeps the door open. Like he's waiting for someone else. Cause he can do whatever the hell he wants. Cause he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you know who he's waiting for? Clint Eastwood. Okay. And like three other people. So it's all of a sudden I go from a spacious by myself elevator to packed with Hollywood royalty where I can barely breathe. I'm sweating. I'm having an anxiety attack, staring at the numbers the whole time. Listen, it worked out and it was fine. Okay. But it was very, very nerve wracking. Well, did you, did you, were you fearing the trip down the entire time you were at the party? No, so you, you, you could always take stairs. There's always stairs down. Always. Cause okay, you so have to. No stairs up. 
Correct. There was an opening to like schooling me. There's, oh, a, there's always there. There's always there for fire safety. You have to have. But you know what? Here's the thing that the thing about that story is that, and just you know what what happens there is that you never know what somebody is going through. I mean, truly, there, there's like memes about that, and it's so yeah. true. Yeah. You know, nobody would ever, ever think that that's what you were going. Ever. People would think that I was like, this kid's going to be so stoked that he's in here with Dirty Harry and the Terminator. I'm like, no, I could give a shit. Okay. I couldn't yeah, right. breathe. I couldn't breathe. Right. So you had said in the past that you're, that you've worked through that now. I have. Is that true? Right. Because my wife said, listen, dipshit, you can't be taking the stairs up and down when we have kids and I you're think not. That's so funny that she just left your ass. <laughs> right. And you're not going to you know, abandon me in these doctor's appointments. You're going to be there. So fucking deal with it. And so, you know, I came up with a mantra, you know, um, basically I shortened it to just two words telling myself elevators work, right? If the elevator comes down and opens, that means it just worked two seconds ago. It was operating perfectly. Right. So chances are, it's going to work again for one more trip. And so, yeah, I mean, it's so crazy how, I mean, I think that anybody who would hear your story as a child would understand absolutely why, you know, where that came from. I mean, that's, that's some serious shit. That's two minutes. Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of psychology that goes along with elevator rides, you know, that I I read about. So if you get in and you're the first person in an elevator, chances are Mm -hmm. you'll hit the button and you'll stay in that corner. Okay. Mm -hmm. For the whole ride. Like that's where you'll stay. Mm -hmm. The second person that will come in will go the opposite corner to be as far away from you as possible because that's how Mm -hmm. fucking strangers are. Right. And then opposing Mm -hmm. corners will come in and, Mm -hmm. and, and that works for me because when I get in, I need to protect that panel from, from people coming in and messing with it. You could laugh. No, I'm not laughing at you because I was thinking, what do I do? I always want to be by the panel so I can control it. Yeah. Got to protect the panel. Got to protect yeah. the panel because some 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 asshole little kid will come in and go and like hit all the things and maybe hit like the call button or the emergency stop and then I'm ruined. I'm a okay. Problem. When you saw the movie Elf, were you dying? I loved Elf. Yeah, I know. I know, but it was great. the, the it was great. I know, but the whole thing. Oh, of course, with the, of course. There was a place downtown. Um, there's a, there still is. There's a studio, kind of. Uh, just a, a collection of, of a studio complex, basically downtown with uh, a couple of office buildings that are pretty tall and all of the casting was in the office buildings. And obviously all the shoots were in the, in the sound stages. Okay. Um, and so I'm going up there and uh, I have an audition for something up, up at the top and uh, waiting for, you know, solo elevator ride. Okay. And it happens. <laughs> Jesus, Brandon. No, wait. This was the weirdest thing. My whole mantra elevators work. Okay. Well, this one didn't stop working. For whatever reason, I hit the floor that I had to go to. Hold on. I hit the floor that I had to go to, and it went up and down, and then up and down, and up and down, and it didn't stop. It didn't stop. I think I cried a little bit. I I needed to like pee. I was having an anxiety attack. I couldn't get it to stop. And then finally, I'm like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try each button to see if it'll stop at any, I just needed it to stop. <laughs> and finally I got it to stop. I get out of there. I like, I lay down on the floor. I got my breathing normalized. Okay. I found the emergency exit <laughs> up the stairs down. So yeah, there's, there's, there, there's, 
there's been some incidents in my life, but I got in an elevator two days ago, went up to the 16th floor. No problem. I, I, I mean, I love it. I yeah. think it's great. And yeah. I think it's like, you know, our spouses pushing us in directions yeah. that, Agreed. that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, yeah. you know, it's hard. But Edgar you Allan Poe, well-known claustrophobe. This guy had a lot of issues. Yeah. In a way with work. You know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So why did you pick Telltale Heart, which, which which harkens all the way back to his fear of being buried alive? Oh my gosh, harken. Yeah. I'm like, I was like talking to my husband about this because he's like, why did this take you so long? And I'm like, because you have to make a word like harken. Like, how do you make that relevant today without sounding, sounding like a complete yeah. Yeah, when you just said hearken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? It it reminded me this story, and I was trying to remember if I first read it in, I think it was high school. It could have been mm-hmm. college, but I absolutely believe I think it was high school. And I feel like that's where my love of literature was formed by stories like this, where mm-hmm. and also like I remember um like the metamorphosis, Kafka oh, and, and Gregor and Samsa, yeah. You know, yeah. by Camus. And I, I didn't have the the maturity to kind of understand all the different historical things going on with these, you know, great works of fiction. Right. Right. But I knew like, I just felt like I was drawn in, you know, I feel like this is one of the stories where I just remembered this and it scared the shit out of me. And it's really like, not that scary, but for whatever reason, it just, I just remembered it all these years, you know, as, as like a really, great way to tell a story about complex emotions. You don't know all of the the ins and outs. You don't know who's speaking. You don't know why the person was murdered, but the guilt involved, but you don't know if the person's crazy. Yeah. You don't know what their motivations are. And so it's, it's, uh, I think you do know, see, this is what I love about literature. I see, I think you do know that it's that, that the guy's crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because think about it because you know that Poe did, right. You thought about it all through like from wh- where is he writing the story from from where is he telling the story who's he talking to but more importantly where is he telling the story but we don't but we don't know right so he was obviously arrested for it so he's either yeah. in an insane asylum or in jail okay. yeah right okay yeah. um probably in an insane asylum and and that's what makes what makes it scary is that we don't know what the motivation was to kill. Um, and if there were something really explicit, I think Poe would have told us. And so I think mm-hmm. it was just the the narrator, his descent into madness because of the pale blue eye. Okay. The pale blue mm-hmm. eye scared him almost to death. And it takes a madman to spend hours completely mm-hmm. still moving a centimeter at a time and just standing in the darkness and standing over someone feeling that power. Like you've interviewed people who have talked about these serial killers who feel like they're God, you know, like looking over this person. No, I was reminded so much of Jack Spillman and just exactly what you're saying where we don't know the power. I mean, that episode really, that two-parter, um, the werewolf butcher, if you haven't heard it, was one of our earlier episodes. And the power that this guy derived from 
being burglar, he sexualized the burglaries. I never understood that. And I still don't, but I understand it from like his perspective, I guess, based on the interviews and everything that I've heard and the the people that I've talked to is that there's just shit going on in people's minds that you would never think as an quote unquote average person, you know, this is going on in their head. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I think that like, yes, I believe that that I, for whatever reason, got into his head, manifested itself. <clears throat> excuse me. And he had to feel justified in killing this person for it. Yeah. Cause he could you maybe know? see his secrets or, or what would a crazy person, what would that fear be about a, an odd looking eye? Probably, you know, obviously diseased with cataracts and can't see anything anyway, but probably, you know, is scared into thinking that it's all seeing or all knowing or, or whatever. Um, and, and, and how did he kill him? <laughs> I, well, I know that's the weird thing. Crushed him he with the bed. Crushed him with the bed. I know, but it's yeah. like I was trying to like roll up. It was like, was this a mattress? And he just went, and then like, I was trying to like picture that. Yeah, crushed him with the bed, yeah. and then, and then obviously went and received re retrieved some kind of tool to dismember the body, and went about it with a, a, a criminally insane amount of precision to collect all of the blood and to not leave a drop anywhere and to pull up the floorboards and how, how, how wickedly pleased he was with his work at replacing the floorboards where no one could sense anything. Right. And, and, and Poe is great. Cause he, he gives it away twice, right. That as if the, a watch wrapped in cloth, right. Mm -hmm. You know, that he thinks he can hear the heartbeat. A lunatic mm -hmm. would think he could hear the heartbeat. Right. A lunatic. Well, and somebody, who is like consumed with guilt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or beforehand, because he thought he heard it in the night before he killed him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he thinks he hears it growing louder. And it was just his lunacy, you know, exacerbated by the police being there. First, he thought he goes, oh, girl, I'm going to show the cops everything. Hey, boom. And look at this. And here's the room. And here's all of his treasures. And no one took anything. So obviously he's blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just. I think that like he, he wanted the heartbeat to be stilled sure. and he's like he's dead he's stone dead and right. then he's he, yeah right yeah, when right. i was so, taught this when i was taught this uh mm -hmm. i remember i was a junior in high school and and well that's when i must have read it in yeah. high school too because like yeah okay so i was a junior in high school and and the interpretation for my teacher uh was that there's a you know maybe what poe was getting at was that in the room if it's completely dead calm and no sound at all, maybe he heard his own heartbeat, okay, and thought it was the man's, right, the victim's. And then afterwards, sitting in the room, that what he heard actually was, you know, the watch, the guy's pocket watch that he left on the body that he mistook for the heartbeat and went crazy because there's this dismembered corpse that's still alive under the floorboards. And so putting those images kind of into, into my mind and I'm 17, I went, holy shit, that was great. Because I had read Poe before, but I hadn't, strangely, it would be like, it would be like reading Stephen King, but like only reading, like Rita Hayworth on the Shawshank Redemption or only reading uh, The Body, right? Not reading his horror, okay? Because mm -hmm. the first Poe that I read were his tales of ratiocination, which with 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 Dupin, the the 
investigator, the inspector. Mm-hmm. So it's Murders of the Rue Morgue, The Purloin Letter. Um, and then he wrote one called The Gold Bug, which is about a treasure hunt, which, you know, is just all just like, has nothing to do with murder or horror. Well, the, the Rue Morgue obviously does. Um, but it's more about this this inspector who like predated Sherlock Holmes and was fucking amazing. So that was the Poe that I knew. And then I'm introduced to like Fall of the House of Usher and Casca of Amontillado and a lot of his poetry and The Raven and Annabelle Lee and all that. Um, and and really got into the 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 the, the madness of this guy. Um, and he was from the Northeast, from Baltimore. Is you know, I knew some some hard hitting motherfuckers from Baltimore. So you know, I get it. I can respect that town. <laughs> but Casca of Amontillado was was crazy. That gave me some nightmares because mm-hmm. the dude. So what did you think when you read the? What did you think when you read the Telltale Heart? Telltale Heart was great. I, I I thought it was. Um, it was less about. By then, I knew that Poe was 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 a claustrophobic not not job, right? And so, and you start looking for little pieces of that in his writing. Okay. Um, because, because the author will leave, will leave breadcrumbs, you know, about what they believe or who they are, or, you know, idiosyncratic, you know, personality quirks or whatever. Um, and so I, I was confusing because of, you know, the motiveless crime that we didn't really know. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was scary. And then, uh, and then just how the writing builds, towards the end, how louder, louder. And he did a great job narrating it louder, louder, louder. And he's like, ah, right. Like wasn't even a forced confession. The cops were barely even leaning on him, you know, but he felt like he think was, they were at all. No, not at all. But, he, but, but he, he, he was just in this, he felt like he was in this vice of mm-hmm. confess, confess because everyone can hear it. How can they not hear it? Yeah. So I dug it. Amontillado was a little, uh, more difficult to get through because it was slower and brick by brick the guy knows that he's being buried alive so that was that was that one got to me a little bit but um yeah it was so great would you be able to obviously you did because you read it but like if you have anxiety a lot of times you want to stay away from the things that give you anxiety but you looked for it in literature then huh? yeah absolutely why just to torture yourself no, because I didn't feel alone. I'm like, oh, there's other people like me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, you know what? Oh, I we want it's community, right? I, hey, I, I get it. I mean, yeah. I, I, as somebody who has anxieties too, I, I totally, when you, I was laughing, but really I was feeling like, gosh, I'm so glad it's not just me. Like, as <laughs> you were like with all my weird shit that I have, you know, yep. so. I mean, I totally get it, but I also think that it's awesome that you worked through it. You know, yeah, it's a little, um, you know. Listen, it 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 crops up often, but <clears throat> you know, what do they say about worry? It's using your imagination for something shitty. Yes, so, right. And so, it doesn't change anything. No, it doesn't change anything. It does not change anything. So like, I try not to worry about it. Life. Try not to worry about it. But we then. Have but then some- I- but then I do, but then I do, I think about it sometimes. Like I remember, I remember when I was 16, um, there was another kid in my town named John Morgan. So we shared a last name and my next door neighbors had a police scanner. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one night we were, you know, my brother and I were just sitting at home and my next door neighbor comes running over, pounding on the door, looking for my mom. Cause she heard in the police scanner that a teenage 
Morgan was in a really bad car accident. Okay. Why do you have a police scanner at home? No, my neighbor had the police scanner. Okay. I don't know. Okay. They just do. They just, I don't know. They just do. And so my mom was like, no, my boy, both of my boys are home. Like what the hell's going on? And it was like less than like a quarter mile away, like through the woods. And so we run over there because we know where it is. And the cops are there and the, the lights are up. And and I knew two of the kids in the car, everyone lived, but it was really bad. Car was like wrapped around a tree and they were trapped. They couldn't oh get God. out of the car. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a girl that I know that I grew up with, one of the kids in the car was this kid, Billy Primavera, really, really good close friend of the family's. And this girl I knew was like sitting on the ground, holding his hand, like telling him that it's cool. They're coming with the like jaws of life and all that. And I'm, and I'm trying to keep my shit together. Cause I'm like, they're, they can't move. Right. Oh, Talk about claustrophobia. And one of them bleeding and there's broken glass everywhere and there's lights. And it's such a, an, an anxious situation to begin with. And you, you don't have the freedom to move, right? To get up and leave and go and spread your arms and go like, okay, whoo, I'm all right. So it's, it's in areas like that, that I still think about shit sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my brother, and, and it's not like he, he had zero remorse over it. Zero remorse to the, to the such a big brother move to the point, Carolyn, where he would use it against me. And he knew that I would, I would fold up like a lawn chair. If he just pinned my arms, like I would freak out and I would agree to anything just for him to let me go. Yeah. No. I mean, my sister used to take my legs and wrap them like <laughs> back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's like claustrophobic. Yeah, like absolutely. where you can't and she'd hover over me like this. Absolutely. And I'd be like, please, 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 please. I every, mean, I get it. Every family function, you know, this this story comes up. This story comes up. Every family function. My dad, when my dad got remarried, he bought a house in Virginia. He was flying out of the the DC airports. Okay. Big house in the country. And he had a finished basement. Okay. Finished basement where I, when it was done, I'm like, oh, I'll sleep down in the basement. That'd be cool. I'd be like, okay, great. <laughs> so pitch dark down there, like completely dark. Okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently what happened was I woke up in the middle of the night, probably had to pee or something. I don't know, but I'm like 21, 22 years old and I can't see anything. It's completely dark. Like they said in the story, black as pitch. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I start like putting my arms out, feeling where I am. Like, I don't, I think I'm trapped somewhere and I panic and I start kicking the walls and I <laughs> these huge, these huge holes in the walls. <laughs> Because I don't know where I am. And my brother did was. You, did you say that you have night terrors? Too? I did. So it was a combination of night terrors, mean, hey, mm-hmm. hey, night terrors, meet claustrophobia. And then, ba boom, right? It was, it was insane. My brother comes running downstairs, turning on all the lights, going, What the fuck is going on? And I went, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in dad's finished basement. Uh, do we oh, know a drywall guy that we can I mean. have here? Yeah, it was bad. And and he didn't say, hey, man, are you okay? I feel he started pointing and laughing at me like right then in the moment. Yeah. I can't believe that you didn't bring this up like every time. You're just a forgiver, I guess. My God. What am I going to do? It's just, it's, I don't need the ball busting because that's what it, it, it's what it always turns into. 
blah, blah. I know my brother loves me, but I know all of that. It's great. But it's just too rich of, there's just so much material there to break balls that he can't help himself, I guess. Well, we have some exciting news. Oh, yes, we do. I'll let you do the honors. Uh, this is a, this is an exciting thing that a turn that we've decided to take with the murder chronicles. And I, I don't really know how I can express the Genesis. Like when we first started the show, it was basically going to be the murder chronicles and I was going to be the host and you were going to be the producer and you know, it was great. And then we started doing the bonus episodes and people really, really started loving them. Sure, and, and sure. I think that like. I know the Genesis. Let me cut in. I remember the Genesis. So the okay, Genesis yeah. was, I was at a podcast convention in Dallas <clears throat> and I met with the head of Apple podcasts and they said, it's a great show that you're doing. If you could give us some bonus content that we could put behind a paywall, maybe we can get some subscribers. And this is when we were at our old network home. Okay. And so the, the head of the network back then, my boss said, Hey, start doing some bonus content. I'm like, what, like what? He goes, I don't care what it is. Let's just, take this Apple subscription thing out for a spin. Um, <clears throat> and so we started just doing the bonus content. We're like, okay, I'll listen, uh, you know, as I'm editing and, and producing the show and then we'll, and then we'll talk about it. And then things didn't work out with the old, uh, our old network. And then uh, we got the show away from them. And so where we own the show now and uh, we, <clears throat> we have a new network home. The network is called cloud 10. And Cloud 10 suggested that we rebrand the show. And so from henceforth, we shall be called, Carolyn? Criminal Mischief. Boom. Criminal Mischief with Carolyn and Brandon. So um, the content will be the same. Uh, Carolyn will still be driving the bus with with the main episode every week. And then I'll I'll dip in for the bonus content. Um, And so you could expect... <clears throat> us having a little bit more freedom, like with, with today's show, we went, we went off the reservation a little bit with, uh, with the Edgar Allan Poe story in honor of Halloween. Um, but you can count on the same content. Uh, we're trying to grow the show. Hopefully <clears throat> within the next month or so, we'll have an expanded, uh, social media presence, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And, uh, and we'll just kind of continue to, uh, to grow the audience. So tell your friends and leave us comments and let us know if you have any ideas for us or stories that you'd like us to cover or um, ideas for our content where we'd, we'd be all ears. And uh, in the meantime, thank you for hanging in with us this whole time. And we hope you stick around. Absolutely. And I, I'm looking forward to not just doing murder every, every week. It'll open us up to some, <clears throat> really, you know, interesting cases where nobody dies. Sure. And uh, Absolutely. I think that that'll be, uh, you know, I have uh, one that you're going to, I was, I was going to surprise you with this, but I'll tell you now, just because we're talking about the show and what could be different, which is, you know, Alcatraz, that's something where nobody died, but there's some new stuff going on there. And I just interviewed somebody who's amazing. And so that'll be one of the shows that um, will be featured um, Great. I'd love you to cover the heist of the Gardner Museum in Boston, one of the biggest unsolved art crimes ever. It would be great. I haven't even heard of that. So, yeah. okay. The Gardner Museum and in Boston. Even, like, once we get our social media stuff up, definitely we'd love to hear your suggestions. I mean, we'd love to engage with 
with the audience. And um, so please send any yeah. suggestions our way. Because Absolutely. Absolutely. So until next time, Nation, uh, we got to come up with a new name because it's not Murder Chronicles Nation anymore. Mischief Nation, you mischievous little, little bastards. No, that's not nice. Uh, we'll come up with something. <laughs> we'll come up with something together. We'll come up with something, but in the meantime, you can still find us as the Murder Chronicles on Apple Podcasts. Your subscription will be the same. You don't have to refollow us. Everything will transfer over. Um, but uh, in the meantime, please consider supporting the great companies that support our show. And uh, consider going over to Apple Podcasts, like I mentioned, leaving a review, get rating us, maybe sharing us with your friends. Uh, and we hope, like you said, we hope you stick around for the new incarnation of the Murder Chronicles becoming Criminal Mischief with Carolyn and Brandon. Uh, and we're just going to keep the train going. Anything to add, Carolyn? Nope. I'm Carolyn Osorio with Brandon Morgan, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much, Nation. Be safe out there. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.